Hey guys, if you hadn't heard, sports betting is now live in Massachusetts. We're passing along this awesome promo for new DraftKings customers. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $200 added to your account and bonus bets guaranteed. Use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our promo code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus, and physically present in MA, Massachusetts. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid one offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever it is that you're listening to us. We want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But sometimes we're just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson, coming to us from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Cody, how are you today, sir? Doing well. Thank you for the wonderful intro. Hello, everybody. Thanks for checking us out. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please hit that subscribe button. Also, we are on YouTube. Come check us out. Terry, how are you doing tonight? A little annoyed because this is our second take. Had some technical issues. And um, yeah, so we're going to, we did probably about a third of the show. And uh, we will redo that now uh, with you guys. But we got a fail safe in place this time. Uh, Red Sox are second place right now in the American League East, just one game behind the lone undefeated Tampa Bay Rays in the division. Yankees are tied with us, and the Blue Jays Orioles are having a party in the basement uh, with a record of one and two. So, yeah. Quick humble brag. I actually forgot to do this on the first episode. We had the biggest shout out of our existence um, over the, well, it was actually last Thursday, Buster Olney, who has perhaps the biggest MLB podcast on all the platforms, um, gave us a shout out. I'm going to play it from my device. I don't know if uh, the audio will be great, but here's, uh, here's a quick clip of uh, what he did for us. And uh, so, yeah, right in the right in the intro of his show, uh, very unsuspectingly, we got uh, we got mentioned. So appreciate that uh, from ESPN's Buster only. And uh, yeah, other than that, personally, I'm good. I got my butt kicked all weekend playing uh, cribbage, which, again, is my second nerdy hobby aside from podcasting. Um, so, yeah, that's how uh, that's how everything went down. Right on. Excellent. Well, Terry, since we're going to be doing studs and duds today, why don't you lead us off with your stud of the series? 
my stud for the series, Charter has got some static on his end. Um, so I am going with Alex Verdugo. He was the one uh, guy that I picked to be the leadoff guy. I was the only guy on the crew who um, suggested him. Uh, Kike Hernandez was a popular pick. Um, so was, uh, I think, Charlie, you liked Yoshida in that spot. But Verdugo, uh, in two games out of the uh, leadoff spot, uh, was three for eight. I uh, had another two for four game today uh, down in the sixth spot since there was a lefty starter. But Verdugo went five for 14 on the series, only struck out once. He was in the top eight percentile for not striking out. So in other words, 92% of the league last season struck out more than Verdugo. So continues to be very impressive. Another thing I notice is he's very comfortable in the batter's box, very comfortable, very relaxed, very honed in. And I think only Rafi Devers uh, aside from him, you know, has that type of zone in the batter's box. So, um, did, did a fantastic job and, uh, you know, stepped up to the plate as Alex Cora, uh, was trying to get him to, and, uh, played right field pretty good as well. So he was my first stud of the 2023 season. Cody, thoughts? I mean, he's a great tone setter for this lineup. You know, um, I personally, I think I said Kike would be a great leadoff hitter for me. And, you know, if he's batting out of the nine spot, then we got back-to-back leadoff hitters. So that works even better for us, right? You know, some production out of the bottom of the order never hurt anybody. Um, but no, I think he's he's a great table setter. He sets the emotions well. He plays with, you know, his heart on his sleeve. And I think he, you know, we finally have a team with an identity that kind of matches the fire and and the passion that he plays with, right? You know, we we saw this type of competitive, or uh, sorry, we saw this competitive nature out of him all year last year, uh, even if the team didn't didn't match it. So it's just great to see him kind of uh, kick the door open to the season, uh, playing well. You know, being able to continue on from success in both spring training and the World Baseball Classic. So you know, just just happy to see him get his get his due and get his shine. Cody, who is your stud for the series? So my stud for the series, uh, none other than Adam Duvall, you know, a new addition. We we had kind of talked about this in, in the aforementioned war room that, you know, we we talk about all things baseball related, but um, might be a little bit chalk. He was, you know, obviously a, a high producer in the series, but you got to give the guy credit where credit is due. Uh, you know, eight for 14 with three doubles, a triple and two home runs. Um, you know, we can fawn all over those statistics uh, if you'd like, but with it being so early in the season and such a small sample size, I try not to get, you know, my head in the clouds over, over a good starting series. What matters to me is more of, you know, what did the team look like? How did the players uh, appear to be getting along together or uh, appear to, to be playing or, you know, do they come through in big moments and boy did Duval ever, right. You know, gifted a fourth out as they like to say, and, and he delivered with a, a walk-off run that walk-off home run, excuse me, that really turned around the outlook of this, of this opening series, um, you know, time and again, he would come up, uh, you know, need to put a nail in a coffin or need to put up a crooked number on the board. And seemingly he always came through. I know that there was a theme throughout spring training where, you know, the Red Sox would put a little rally together and, you know, Duval would seemingly shut it down with a strikeout on the wrong side, unfortunately. Um, so it's, it's good to be able to see him come up 
in, in big moments and be able to produce and come through for the team. Um, it looks like he's playing loose and playing free. Uh, you know, hopefully he's able to avoid the injury bug and, and continue to, to produce. Yeah. I mean, going back to last November, I wasn't really a big proponent of bringing in Duvall. I was hoping, you know, due to the fact we don't have any stud prospects in the system, they would kind of aim high and make the outfield a, a high priority this year. We didn't have Yoshida at that point yet. And Kike Hernandez was supposed to be our center fielder. And then mid-January, we find out Trevor's story is going to miss half the season. Kike is coming to the infield. Now you have to fill that hole at outfield. And the Red Sox were so fortunate that no other team wanted to pay Adam Duvall $7 million. Uh, the fact that he was still out there and we were able to get him. And I was a much bigger proponent at that point because there wasn't many people left. Everybody had signed. And... You know, bringing him in, I mean, it sucks not having story, but you're just hoping Duvall would be serviceable. And you go back to 2021, he split half the season with the Braves and the Marlins and basically had a career year, 38 home runs, 113 driven in, led all of Major League Baseball and not so great last year, which is why I wasn't a proponent of it, but um, if he's healthy and that, that is, that has been a, an issue in his career, if he can stay healthy, I think he could, he could come close to or surpass what he did in 2021. I, I really believe that. And, uh, it was a huge moment for him in game two. He, that was the second time in the series he faced, uh, Bautista, the Orioles closer and, the first time he faced him in game one, he struck out on three straight. So it just seemed so unlikely that he was going to come through and uh, have such a big moment. So I apologize. I hope you guys can hear me better. Yes. Thank That's you. great news. That's fantastic news. <laughs> uh, anyways, I know I just overheard you guys were talking about Adam Duvall. Uh, this is somebody who had uh, eight RBIs in that first series, uh, one RBI shy of hitting 25% of all of last year's production. So, this is going to be, I think, the player that we're going to be leaning on along with uh, another player who we're going to be talking about shortly. Um, that is going to be the, the two proponents, I think, going to be the two cogs in the replacement of J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts. I think a lot of people are going to be looking to these two guys to fill that void, fill that gap. So uh, if I, I think yeah. I may, I'm, I'm up now. So... My stud for this series was Justin Turner, who uh, filled into the three slot admirably, going five for 12, four singles, a double, four runs scored, knocking in a run himself. I believe he only struck out one time um, on that series as well. But this is a guy who yeah, the Dodgers just kind of, I think, did not want to pay. They just did not feel that at age 38, this was going to be somebody who um, was going to be able to produce in a manner that was going to be to their liking and to their essential 2023 needs, uh, which blows my mind. And uh, this is not somebody who uh, started the you know spring training or ended the spring training on, on a high note, not his fault, but getting hit in the face is not a fun way to have any day of the weekend. Um, and 
that was not pretty pretty sight as soon as he went down you weren't sure if it was just the cheek if it was the eye socket if it was the nose broken teeth your, your head immediately just goes to the worst case scenario and thankfully this is someone who was able to bounce back and be good to go right before the season started and uh i don't think we win two out of three without without justin turner we definitely don't win two out of three without adam duvall as well um and, and that piece of you know that great game that Adam Duvall had was only had because of the fielding mistake that the Orioles made. And there were so many moments in 2022 where the luck just didn't go our way. And it was kind of nice to actually have one finally go our way. This is a player though, with, with Justin Turner, that isn't thinking me, 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 me. This is someone who's thinking about team, 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 team. And uh, I've said this before, but some people have said, this, the Red Sox kind of look like Dodgers East, but you know, if that's Dodgers East, then I'm okay with it. You bringing in Justin Turner and Kenley Jansen, Alex Verdugo, Kike Hernandez, Chris Martin, all of these guys that don't cause problems. They're not in the news for doing anything stupid. They're not getting popped for drugs. They're not, they're just not bad guys. And there was a really cool exchange between Justin Turner and Kike Hernandez. You can tell that they really enjoy playing together. They really are having fun. And I think this is going to be the first time that we're going to enjoy seeing these guys come up to the plate and they're going to have meaningful at bats. It's not going to be crappy two, three, four pitch at bats, including strikeouts regularly. So I'm looking forward to it. Turner has been extremely impressive so far. And, you know, like you said, coming back from an injury like that with no ill effects, I mean, how do you brush that off? I mean, it, it looked pretty gruesome on TV and then the follow-up pictures that were posted on social media. It's impressive. And, you know, I talk about Verdugo not being a, a big strikeout guy. Turner, uh, much of the same. Going to make Devers a much better player because of that. They're going to He's going to force people to pitch to Devers. That way, you know, Devers isn't on base by the time Turner comes up. And then... We got a couple other guys who have been hitting pretty good that come after Turner. So uh, it's a pretty good lineup. And I think, you know, Justin Turner is going to be a cornerstone of this offense this year. And, and if we exceed the expectations and make a run into October, Justin Turner is going to be a big part of it. I mean, there's not really much else that could be added both of you have made some wonderful points and you know i think the nice thing about where justin turner lands within this offense is yeah he's hitting out of that three hole which is you know a revered spot in boston lore a lot of great names have gone gone through the lineup but the the offense doesn't go because of justin turner the offense continues to you know uh i guess expand upon brilliance or runs or you know whatever you want to call it because of him right and so this this opportunity to just add line of protection to Devers to give Devers something to swing at is is really what we're looking for and anything that we get uh, on top of that in my opinion is is a bonus and so it really is good to be able to see him a come back from that injury because that is you know anytime anything like that happens you only hope for the best and he was able to make a quick recovery with you know hopefully no long-term effects but b just to find comfort and to be able to do the same kind of things that he was doing in in LA so it's it's been wonderful to see him hit the ground running um, you know, lengthen that lineup and, and continue to put good at bats together. Yeah. I'm, I think we, all three 
all three guys. I mean, there are a couple of other names that we could have possibly thrown in there. We had a couple of honorable mentions really quickly. Uh, Chris Martin was one that was mentioned um, three innings during that series pitch in every single game, allowed a couple hits, had a strikeout, incredibly efficient. Uh, John Schreiber was somebody else who was also p- pitched in two games, kind of n- not fantastic in one of the games, but but great in another not as efficient as Chris Martin, but still, if you have Chris Martin and John Schreiber going in there and they're, you know, doing their job the right way, pitching well, setting up Kenley Jensen for success, not, you know, putting guys on before a save opportunity, I think this is a really good 7-8 setup. And I think last but not least, how do you not mention Rafael Devers who went 7 for 15 in this series? I mean – you can't not you're almost hitting 500 in the first three games of the season. So uh, really, really great work by all three of these guys. This is a fun series. We scored nine runs each game. You're really hoping that if you score nine, you're going to win all three. The fact that we lost one really tells you that we do have some work to do. Um, and really it could have, it could have been 25 total runs that we would have lost two out of those three had it not been for that one little oops. Uh, by the outfielder uh, in in Baltimore uh, or for Baltimore, excuse me. Um, any other honorable mentions that you two want to mention? Actually, yeah, Charlie, your static is back, so you'll have to do that thing again. I'll uh, Cody and I can run through these real quick. Um, first notable one for me: Chris Martin pitched in uh, all three games in relief out of the pen. Did not give up a single earned run. There there were some base runners here and there, but managed to keep um, everything in check. Uh, Cody, uh, anyone stand out to you? Yeah. Uh, Masataka Yoshida really stood out to me. I know that, you know, a lot of eyes were on him coming over from the world baseball classic. Obviously he was, you know, our, our big splash free agency addition this off season. And just to be able to see him look pretty comfortable at the plate, you know, go, f- you know, four hits and 13 at bats, four runs, three RBIs, a walk and, and a stolen base. I mean, he's stuffing the stat sheet. He's he's getting outfield assists. He's doing it all, and he's looking comfortable. And so to see him acclimate to to where we are so quickly is is wonderful. And you know, I think he is an embodiment of of the team. Resilient, always looking for opportunities, always looking for ways to contribute. Um, and and it's, like Charlie said earlier in in the open, it's, it's fun to watch the team again, right? You know. Every time they were down, they seemingly at least put one run on the board in the bottom of that inning. You know, if the Orioles were to score some, we we got you know we nibbled right back. Um, you know, obviously it was not quite enough in Game One, but we made it all the way back in two, and then you know Game Three was a little bit more comfortable. But uh, just the resiliency of this team, I think he fits in great uh, from what I can see so far, and I'm I'm really excited to see how this partnership grows in the upcoming uh, season and years. All right, we'll uh, get over into the duds uh, section. I'm gonna. I'll just lead this one off. My dud for the series is Chris Sale, and this hasn't. The problems Chris Sale is having right now are not related to his Tommy John surgery that he had. Uh, in 2020, because these problems have actually started since about August of 2018, when 
Suddenly he stopped being able to get guys out. Suddenly the pitch count started running up faster. He was walking guys. He was crap for most of the 2018 postseason. His only saving grace was getting those last three outs, closing out the final game. And, you know, they, he had that iconic moment with Vasquez and came back in 2020, uh, excuse me, 2019, the, the following season. And the struggles continued, and he had an ERA for that season of 440. Just his metrics all across the board were way off. They were just way off, and he hasn't been the same. And then the Tommy John surgery happens, and he's, you know, he's had comebacks, he's had setbacks, and now he's, you know, he's back again for this year. And He's just not figuring it out. He just, he's got no answers out there. It was always Chris Sale was a step or two ahead of the guys in the batter's box. Now they're two or three steps ahead of him and he has no answers, no answers whatsoever. And it was just, it was almost sad to see. He just looked, he, I'm going to stop short of saying he looked like he wanted to cry on the mound. It wasn't quite that intense, but he looked really sad and depressed. And even the shots of Alex core in the dugout as, as the runners were, were rounding the bases on the, on the three home runs he gave up. You could see that even Cora was, was sad about it and depressed and maybe even embarrassed. I don't know. But he, you could tell, you could tell he was sharing the same emotions uh, as Chris Sale. And I'm gonna give a bold take right now. Chris Sale might not be on this roster by some point in the summer if he can't figure it out. There's not much else you can do. There is not much else you can do. They're not going to be getting, I think his contract is structured weirdly. He might be getting 30 million this season. It's between 25 and 30. Let's put it that way. And they're not getting that output from him. And they probably never will. Pablo Sandoval, this isn't the best example, but he was giving the Red Sox nothing. And then halfway through the 20. 18 season uh, excuse me you know 2017 rather they cut him they cut him and he had three more years remaining at at 60 million now the reasons these guys didn't succeed are different you no one's going to question chris sale not putting in the work not putting in the effort because he's putting in that but he's not coming up with the solutions like i was saying and I just don't know what else they can do with him. If he goes out there and gets knocked around like this again, his next start will be against the Tigers. If he goes out and that happens again, they could probably put him on the injured list, come up with a phantom injury, let him take a timeout, slowly bring him back. This rotation, as cool as it was to win two games and take the series, I still have us winning 70-something games because I think our pitching is going to be the worst in the division. I still believe that. I don't think Sale's going to figure it out. We're going to talk about another guy here in a minute. But he could be brought back out of necessity. But if 
if all else fails, I, I really think they're going to cut him. <laughs> He's taking up a roster spot and not giving us anything. And he's only got one more year remaining on his deal after this. So it, it, it was a, as bad of a start as you could have expected from sale. Cody thoughts. I mean, you make a lot of great points. Obviously you don't want to see a, you know, one of your mainline aces, one of the guys that, you know, everybody's really excited to see come back and pitch, you know, finally healthy away from bicycles away from, you know, TVs and, and, and the like, uh, you want to see him go a little bit longer than three innings. You don't want to see him give up seven runs, um, all of them earned. But one encouraging thing was the fact that he did get six strikeouts, right? And in the limited access that we've had to Chris Sale in, in the past couple of years, you know, pretty much since 2019, he really hasn't had those K numbers like he used to. So, you know, he is finding a new way to miss some bats, you know, six strikeouts out of nine total outs. Uh, obtained is a percentage uh, is obviously not sustainable, but at least something to build upon. Um, you know, I'm choosing uh, hope, hopefully, or, you know, maybe foolishly to be optimistic here. Cause like you said, Terry, I mean, we're committed to him for, for 25 to $30 million. He's taking a roster spot. So, you know, as long as he's on the team, I'm going to, I'm going to want to see some, something good from him. Right. Because otherwise, you know, it just becomes, a, a sad close to what really is one of the special pictures of our, of our time with baseball. I've long said that it's going to be tough for me to speak ill of Chris sale, but that wasn't a very fun game to watch him pitch in. And we didn't win that game because of Chris sale. We won in spite of him giving up two first inning home runs, not a good look, especially when one was right on the button. I mean, uh, Hayes shot that to, to center field. And Mountcastle sent that another 400 feet in the left center. Um, third inning, you're you're down 7-1, to one, and the inning isn't even over yet. So, yeah, that's tough. And I want to believe that he's going to, you know, it, it's it's a heartache. It's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see him pitch the way he is right now but again it's chris sale i think we just need to take a beat here and just temper our expectations that he's going to be the old chris sale and see if he can bring back a little bit of that magic i i always like chris sale i love the fire i love the anger sometimes you need to have those those brass set that brass set and he has that i hear what you're saying though terry it's just going to take a real big act for me to kind of do a 180 on everything I've ever said about Chris Sale. I wanted Chris Sale the year before he came to Boston. I was not thrilled that he signed that ridiculous or that we signed him to that ridiculous extension, but it's going to take a lot for me to really poo-poo Chris Sale because he is one of the best pitchers in baseball when he is healthy. And I don't want to say he was one of the best pitchers in baseball because he was then I still believe that if he can bring that magic, Cody already said it, he had six strikeouts in that three-inning stint, um, just missed a couple pitches, and, and that was the difference in this one. I think maybe in his next appearance, if, if by the third appearance he's still getting shelled for six or seven, I think there's going to be something that does get done about it. It's going to be sad because, embarrassingly enough, the Red Sox aren't the only team that have done the phantom injury thing to try to – you know, get somebody out of a situation to kind of get their head right. But 
I, I really do want to believe that Chris Sale will come back to being that old Chris Sale soon enough because if not, you already hit on it. Like our pitching staff is not pretty. It is scary. And um, we're going to talk about that, you know, in a little bit with uh, another one of the duds. Just real quick. Can the Red Sox be competitive without the Chris Sale we thought we might be getting? And what I mean by that is he showed flashes in spring training that he could pitch effectively and was mixing his pitches. And most of his starts were, were good. So it can, can we still get to the postseason without him? Can you get to the postseason without him? Sure. Will you win in the postseason without him? Absolutely not. You, you who, who is your ace pitcher? Well, I just don't know who we replace him with. I, I mean, maybe Hauk stays in the rotation and then Whitlock comes in. That probably knocks Crawford out. And then and then I guess Bayo would take the place of Sale. So you're going Bayo would take Sale. So I just don't know if that's still good enough. And what I, yeah. What does every playoff team have? Or what do you need? You need to have a solid one-two. You need to have a solid one-two. And your three also needs to be pretty damn good because chances are in the playoffs, one's going to get roughed up. You pray that two of the three do well. We don't have a one-two-three that's going to scare any team in the American League, period. Forget about facing the best team in the National League. We're, we're not there yet, but it's April. We still have some time. I hear what you're saying about the 76 wins, but it's the third game of the season. We did get lucky and luck is a part of baseball. It happens. If we, we if we can get lucky, who, who knows where, where the team could go right now, as it stands, if Chris sale is pitching the way he's doing based on one appearance in the regular season, we are not a playoff team. We're not there yet. It's cute to score nine runs in three straight games. You're not going to score nine runs every single game. And if you don't score nine runs every single game and you only score four or five, you're probably losing three out of four, two out of three. That, that's just a statement of fact. You can't live on that. You can't live on allowing six runs a game. You you will not survive. It, it cannot happen. The fact that Baltimore was able to compete with allowing three, excuse me, nine runs in three straight games doesn't say something just about their team. It says something about ours too. Their pitching is struggling like ours. Their offense can turn it on like ours right now. But it's one or two guys that are doing a lot of the damage right now. Most of it, it was the Duvall show for one game, period. Like that's it. Duvall won game two, period. There, That's not going to happen every series. But to go back to your original question, because we, we went, you know, that was the question. Are we, you know, w without sale, can we get to the playoffs? I think it's possible. I don't think we win. Cody, thoughts? I really, what else can be said? You know, we, we've talked at length uh, kind of about the offensive outburst that this, uh, this series had and, you know, how sneaky good this Orioles offense could be. I believe, Terry, you were, you were mentioning that, um, you know, it is one start. It's cold. There's, you know, a lot of pitchers get that slow start starting in, in, in Boston. 
um, both, you know, on our team or, or against us. Uh, so I'm just going to chalk it up to that. Let's flush it. Let's move on to the next, um, you know, we'll see how he does against Detroit. Um, if he, you know, continues to trend this way, Terry, I think your, your hot take might have a little bit of traction and, and that's a bridge we can cross when we unfortunately, uh, get there. Um, but you know, Charlie, you made a good point too, right? These postseason rosters, they have depth, right? They basically have three aces that can go out there and shove any given night, um, you know, it, when, when they need it. And we currently don't have that. Um, you know, do I think Chris Sale recaptures that kind of magic and, and becomes a, you know, seven shutout with 11 Ks guys? No, but we don't necessarily need him to be that type of pitcher. We just need him to be a little bit more consistent and, and be able to turn that lineup over and, and get the ball to the bullpen, you know, in the sixth or seventh inning. You know, we, we can we can go on and on about uh, what what's going to happen with with Chris Sale. I, I really don't want to be the, the negative Nancy when it comes to him. I've always liked Chris Sale. I think I've I've really said that like every year that we've had him, it, it, it would take a lot for me to get on Chris Sale or Rafi Devers. I love both of them. Um, but, you know, without further ado, uh, Cody, who's your dud? Ah, oh, this one hurts me. Uh, my dud for this series is is Christian Arroyo. Um, you know, he's a guy that when he came up in 2021, had a pension for big moments, had a lot of big hits. And I think he did, you know, a little bit in 2022. Or, and or, sorry, in 2020. Uh, but, you know, a trend that seemed to follow him from 2022 and unfortunately into 2023 this year is he's not really having those big hits anymore. Uh, he seems, you know, big spots, find him, bases loaded, you know, two outs. You know, need to push one through to to open the game up or to put a game away, and you know he'll either put the ball on the screws and but it's right at somebody, or you know lazy fly out, um, strike out, whatever it does. You know he did have a sacrifice bunt that was good. You know kept the kept the lineup moving, but he just hasn't seemed to find that flow or find that rhythm that he had in in 2021. And um, you know he's a guy that had a lot of energy and I think kind of uh, feeds off of that rhythm and that momentum. Um, you know, if, if you believe in momentum within sports, but, um, you know, he, I think had nine batters left on base, uh, throughout three games. And, you know, he's kind of been a black hole in the lineup thus far. Um, and I really hope that we can continue to give him uh playing time and he can find his rhythm, find his footing and, and get getting back to being that spark plug that, uh, he's been able to be in the past. Um, I'm a I'm an Arroyo guy myself, so yeah, it is painful to see him struggle. I think he will figure it out. I mean, he's I think a career 260, 270 hitter, and I don't really recall a period yet where he's gone into like a bad prolonged slump. So hopefully we're simply gonna chalk this up as a bad series and um you know, perhaps against the the Pirates or, or even the Tigers coming up, there'll there'll be a little bit of spark and he'll be his normal self, uh, probably in the bottom third of the lineup. I knew as soon as uh, Cody said Arroyo that you were gonna say that you were an Arroyo guy, but honestly, the one player that I'm really patiently waiting for to come back, and it, it might come as a surprise, but. When Adalberto Mondesi comes back, that's the spot that he's going to be taking in that lineup. And I will not be shy about it 
from the get-go. I was super pumped when he joined, when he signed up to, to, you know, when he got traded here, I was all about it. This is someone who a couple years back was a stolen bases nightmare. And if he can even bring back half of that magic, I'm good. I'm totally cool because whatever he brings to the table is going to be a lot better than this one for nine with two RBIs business that we're seeing from Arroyo. He's, he's never going to be that guy. Christian Arroyo is never going to be one of those, you know, aces in the hole. Like he might have a glimpse, a moment of glory, but it, it's just, it, it's just not going to last. And I think his time in Boston, once Mondesi comes is, is going to be up. It's going to be a platoon spot or he's going to be shipped off for something else. Uh, Cody, was there something you want to add to that? Yeah. You bring up a great point with uh, Mondesi coming back um, and, you know, kind of recapturing some of that stolen base magic with the new three pitch over or three, three attempts over to first base. I think that's going to set up favorably for, for Mondesi once he can get running. And I think if Arroyo were to return to kind of a platoon spot, uh, I think that would really serve him well. We saw him kind of as that floater utility infielder outfielder in 2021 when he really had a lot of a lot of success and you know didn't put too much of a burden on on his body as well because this is a guy that has had an unfortunate bout with uh, injury history in the past. Terry, anything else you want to add? Uh, nope. Right on. Um, so. The dud that I had was our starting pitcher in the first game of this series broke my heart. Um, it, it was, it just, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't good. Corey Kluber, five runs, all earned on six hits and three and a third, four walks, four strikeouts, a couple of home runs. I mean, we saw Adley Rushman in the first inning, damn us with a solo shot. And uh, we thought, okay, cool. After the first inning, we're, we're tied back to one, one. And then he looked okay, and then the wheels fell off in the fourth inning where the Orioles just came roaring with four runs. But this is someone that I think we got over to Boston a little bit too late. This guy's 36 years old, has had some unfortunate injuries that have really limited him. In 2019 and 2020, this is someone who pitched eight times and really has never been able to find that flame that he had for the prior three, four years. I don't want to be dead horse with Corey Kluber. It just it didn't look pretty. Uh, Terry, anything you want to add for Kluber? I'm probably the least shocked of anyone. I was the most upset of anyone on the crew that he was the guy. He was the big fish that we got. And and basically every winter, Heim Bloom takes the first notable guy who's willing to sign a $10 million contract. And Kluber was the guy who took the 10 million. And here we go. I didn't want him in 2021, two years ago, when he was only going to be turning 35 on April 10th. So two years later, he'll be 27. And we saw it with Baltimore. I mean, he got through the first, you know, turn of the lineup pretty well. And then, the second time through that they're like, well, we know nothing's coming at us at, at more than 88. So, so basically they, they just started slapping him around and uh, you know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I just, I think he's terrible. I mean, terrible is, I think, uh, 
an unfortunate moniker to put on a guy after one start. Um, you know, he admittedly isn't the flamethrower that he used to be when he was, you know, punching out 10, 12, 15 guys in, in Cleveland. But, you know, he's going to have to be a command-based pitcher these days, right? You know, like you mentioned, Jerry, you know, he's throwing 88, you know, four or five fastballs um, a season or, or something like that. Or maybe it was 40. I, I can't quite remember. Um in the opening day, seemingly our entire bullpen and, or our entire uh, pitching uh, team had control issues. I think we had something like nine walks and gave up five stolen bases. So we weren't really helping ourselves on top of the fact that he was getting slapped around. So um, it's one start. Again, you know, I feel like we're saying this <laughs> a lot. Flush it, find control, you know, find the strike zone and, and let's try to build on, on some positives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, with that, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick timeout for a couple seconds. We'll be back in a quick moment. All right. Thank you very much for your patience for a couple seconds. Uh, a couple of honorable mentions. I think it's safe to say that the catching tandem that we had between Connor Wong and um, oh my God, his name just escaped me for a hot second. Ryan uh, Ryan McGuire, Reese McGuire. Uh, <laughs> McGuire. Sorry, uh, Reese McGuire, one for twelve. You saw an zero for six coming out of one, and then one for six from Reese. Um, not pretty, not great. And then from your relievers, Ryan Brazier giving up three runs in an inning of work, two walks, or had two runs allowed in two innings of work. Not pretty. And then uh, we had um, another guy who pitched in Minnesota last year. Big smile on David Ross's face. Mark Teixeira is here. Tim drawing Bench a blank on his Ravage. name. Uh, um, we had one more reliever. Was it Blyer? Blyer, yeah, was bad today. Blyer also didn't do great. Um, any other any other honorable mentions for duds? Because they were, you know, those three relievers and the, those catchers right there were the were the uh, two that went through. Uh, my mind. Well, most notably with McGuire, he allowed 10 guys to steal on him. Like McGuire didn't get stolen on. He got looted on. <laughs> that's basically, that's basically how it went. So um, perhaps he's not going to benefit from the new rules changes. And this might be a new era where who cares what the catcher hits, as long as he can gun guys down. If you have a good arm and you can, you can be a good stopper behind the plate. That might be what you want. <laughs> that might be right. what prevents more runs from coming across. So, so uh, I have like one thing to say to that. Jorge Mateo stole four bases. He's not slow. Cedric Mullen stole three bases. He's not slow. So I think in normal circumstances, you might have a, a case like for getting absolutely just wrecked as far as a catcher not being able to throw anybody out. But Chris Sale coming back, pitching, that sucks because it's a lefty. He's literally looking at him at first base, and he can't do anything about it. Jorge Mateo is a is on the short list for leading the American League and possibly the majors in stolen bases. Cedric Mullins is also up there. He'll probably end up finishing top 10. So their their team will steal a lot of bases. It's they're gonna turn a lot of singles into doubles or walks into doubles just because they have the wheels. So I hear what you're saying, but I think it's tough because I think 
Reese McGuire, not as great of a catcher. Jorge Mateo, Mateo, very fast. So it was unfortunately like the, the perfect storm for, for that little combination right there. Uh, Cody, anything else you want to add? I mean, can we even put Brazier and Ort on, on the duds? I mean, like they came in, you're like, all right, cool. Like this game's done or, you know, we're toast. Like these guys are just going to absolutely just serve it up on a, on a platter. Um, I guess the the nice thing about what they did was it provided a reason for this team to fight. And, you know, we got to see some resiliency and, you know, it was a little bit too little too late at the end. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can't call them duds if they performed as expected, right? Duds is you were expecting, you know, somebody to do well and, and they didn't. But, you know, that's a soapbox for another time. Yeah, Terry, any, anybody else that you want to add? Um, well, when you mentioned Brazier and Ort, I kind of put that on Alex Cora. Why were those guys in a game when you had an off day the next day? We're not worried about resting guys on game one when everybody gets a rest right after it. I, if this was like a 14 game stretch in June and it was game five of that stretch. Okay, fine. You have to bring Brazier and Ort into that, but this is where Alex Cora is just asleep at the wheel as a manager. This is where he's not dynamic. This is where Brandon Hyde outmanages him. I, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. And I think Alex Cora deserves a dishonorable mention. I didn't want to start that hype train too early, but I too was wondering what, what Brazier was doing at that point in the game. Right. I mean, you know, Kluber, yeah, was getting knocked around a little bit, but the game wasn't out of hand when he lifted, when he lifted Kluber and, and then it really just kind of got off the rails. Uh, but you know, I, the storyline around Corey is something I'm going to be interested in watching year round. Does, does the tie eventually start to turn on him? He's kind of had, had the good graces of, of the media so far. So I wonder how that continues to go. If, if the team doesn't perform as desired. Three games down 159 to go. We're two and one to start the year. We've scored nine runs each game. I don't think we're going to score nine runs the next three. Um, but an upcoming fun series uh, with with Pittsburgh up. So, uh, Terry, I don't know if you have or Cody, if you have the matchups in front of you really quickly for the, the next series. How do we think this one's going to go uh, to start? Because Pittsburgh has one of the most electric rookies in baseball. I know they started the series uh, the first season, the first season series for them, one and two. Uh, where where do we see this going as far as the series uh, is concerned and uh what do we have for for fun matchups for pittsburgh so game one on monday this is a 7 10 p.m eastern start is i think it's pronounced johan Oviedo versus cutter crawford um i'll i'll just kick start this one um we're gonna make our picks here i kind of like the pirates in this one. And the reason I liked it like them uh, the most in this matchup is number one, cutter Crawford sucks and is not a bona fide major leaguer. And number two, Oviedo showed a lot of promise at the very tail end of the season last year, last five starts. First one was uh, September 13th. It was really his first stretched out, uh, you know, start as a bona fide starting pitcher. 
Um, he, he pitched 26 innings across those five starts, only gave up seven earned runs across all five. That's a two, four, two ERA. And, um, he, he struggled a little bit in spring training with his command, but I could see him coming in and, and kind of keeping this Red Sox lineup a, a little more off balance. So give me the pirates in that matchup. You know, it's it's a little early in the season to be able to tell, but uh, these are the type of series that, you know, if you want to be one of those good teams, if you want to be one of the ones that are in playoff contention, you have to take at least two out of three, right? Anything less than that is considered a failure. Obviously, those go a little bit easier with four games. Um, but, you know, with with the book not really being out on, on the Pirates, it's, it's really tough to say, hey, they're coming in in good form. You know, they lost two out of three to the Reds, who as well as not a, an organization that's going to be vying for, for a playoff spot in the NL Central. Um, I do like the Red Sox to take two out of three here. I think we're going to get a bounce-back performance from from Corey Kluber um, in, in that game uh, three series on, on Wednesday. So, unfortunately, I'm matching Terry's negative energy in that the first game is just not going to go our way. Uh, I, unfortunately, don't have the Red Sox winning two out of three. I have the Red Sox winning one out of three. So that's where you and I have just a, a hair of, of difference. I, like Terry, do not have faith in in Crawford. I, I just, I don't. And I, I don't know if it's going to be a month or two months or a year before that changes. But Cutter Crawford hasn't shown us that he's capable of being a lights-out pitcher. Oviedo, last year had moments of brilliance and and this is kind of like a sneaky a sneaky player that could potentially wow us is this going to be someone that strikes out 10 guys it could be someone who can strike out you know six seven eight guys it could happen we have guys in the lineup that are prone to striking out we also have guys in the lineup that aren't um i i do have a little bit more faith that oviedo though is, is going to do a better job than crawford so it sounds like we have all of us losing game one. Is that correct, Cody? Or you think they're all right. Perfect. So, um, Terry game two, it looks like it's Contreras against Pavetta. Who do you have? This is a tough one because you, you don't know if you're getting good Pavetta or bad Pavetta. And, uh, since he was not very sharp in spring training, I have to assume it's bad Pavetta and, He's facing a guy named Rowanzi Contreras. I think I pronounced that first name correctly. He was really impressive uh, late last season as well. In seven of his last eight appearances of the season, he gave up two earned runs or fewer. The one uh, outlier in that stretch, he gave up six earned runs to the Yankees. So... Another guy that uh, sort of projects out as a, a top of the rotation guy for them, uh, you know, a one or a two. Uh, I, if I can't, when I was doing my notes, I think it was Contreras that actually pitched very well uh, in relief in the WBC. Um, so he also had a good spring training. I'm conflicted because the the Pittsburgh bats haven't been robust so far, but uh, but I'm gonna go with the Pirates again in Game Two. 
you make a great point, right? You know, Pavetta is is a coin flip, right? He went on that incredible stretch last year for about six starts in which he was basically unhittable. Um, and then he followed it up in which he was probably the most hit pitcher on the planet. So uh, it, it is, you know, kind of difficult to do projections with, with a guy like Pavetta and, you know, a guy like Contreras who did show flashes of, of having really, really good stuff. Uh, but, you know, when, when I'm st- stuck with, kind of this dilemma of like, who do I pick? It's, you know, it's 50-50. I look to external factors, right? This game is going to be home at Fenway, right? Chances are we're going to be coming off a loss. So, you know, Corey's going to be doing hopefully some clubhouse magic to get the fire under the guys to win. We get to have this this series at Fenway. They're coming off a series loss. We're coming off a series win. Uh, and that's what gives me the edge for, for the Red Sox in game two. I'm actually going to buck that uh, Terry train over there. I, I think that Pavetta, we're going to see something pretty. I'm really hoping. Uh, Terry's talking about Ronzi Contreras' uh, game against the Yankees being that only ugly one. Even then, it wasn't as ugly as people thought. They got blown out 14-2, to two, but he struck out 10 guys. So you strike out 10 Yankees, you, you pitched well, but unfortunately, you got hit with the home run ball again. It's usually not something that he gives up more than once um, from the month of what, July 7th on his most home runs given up in a game was one. So uh, he went a stretch of six games pitched, and in those starts, only one game did he give up a home run. So while I almost sound like I'm going to go Pittsburgh here, this is the one game that I think the Red Sox can win. Um, if, If Nick Pavetta can give us Good Nick Pavetta, as you guys have talked about, the difference between good and bad Nick Pavetta. If we can get good Nick Pavetta out there, I think we have a chance to win game two. We'd split it after two before game three's nightmare, which I think I know where Terry's going to go. Terry, who do you have winning game three? Uh, You have Corey Kluber going up against Mitch Keller for the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm going to surprise you, Charlie. Um, I think the Red Sox are going to probably win that one. Uh, I think it's going to be ugly. I don't think Keller is going to pitch effectively either. And I I just think the Pirates are going to suck more than the Red Sox, uh, unfortunately. He did get tattooed. Well, I shouldn't say tattooed, but he gave up four runs. Uh, Keller did. Uh, Almost almost pitched five full with only two runs, but gave up a base-clearing triple. there just doesn't seem to be a lot of confidence with him. He's more of like a, apparently a swing man in the um, pirates rotation, maybe similar to like a cutter Crawford type guy is with us. And I just feel like he could struggle. Now, if I'm being completely fair, I'm not supremely confident on, on a lot of these. They're two very flawed teams that are about to face each other. So, the Red Sox very well could take two out of three, you know, even though officially on record, I'm only picking them to win one. Um, but, and this offense is stale enough. Maybe Kluber can get through one more turn of the order uh, than he was able to do against Baltimore. So I'll, I'll take the Red Sox in a, in a 10 to nine win, something like that. Something like we just saw. Cody. A lot of that going around, um, you know, Terry, I think you, you brought up a good point, right? It's it's two flawed teams that have, have a lot of holes. And, you know, I, I think it's more of a what do the Pirates lack versus what do the, the Red Sox bring to the table here? You know, the, the lineup that the, the Pirates are bringing to this matchup that Corey Kluber is going to face is, isn't quite 
uh, as potent as the one that the O's uh, trotted out there. And I think that's going to help him gain a little bit of confidence. He's going to be able to, you know, get into a little bit more of a rhythm and a groove. Uh, so I hope, fingers crossed for those that aren't on the live stream. Um, and, you know, hopefully this can be a, a kickstart to a pretty nice run for him. So I have the Pirates winning the third game. So Terry and I both think we'll win one out of three here. Uh, I actually think Mitch Keller has the capability of pitching better than Corey Kluber. I don't know if I have enough trust to say Corey Kluber. I think O'Neill Cruz could hit three home runs against him. O'Neill Cruz had one of the cleanest home run swings uh in 2023 so far if you guys haven't seen it yet you need to see it i think hunter green threw 101 or 102 over the dish and o'neill cruz sent that ball over the fence at 111 miles an hour it was just ridiculous and it was the cleanest swing it was like ken griffey jr late 90s smooth it was beautiful and I think this is someone who is going to be wowing us for years to come. O'Neill Cruz, remember the name. He's going to be an exciting talent to watch for the future. But again, Mitch Keller over Corey Kluber. Pirates win two out of three. Terry, you're saying two out of three. Cody, two out of three for the Red Sox. Correct. All right. I like it. I like that we have one guy with just a, an ounce of extra pos uh, positivity. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure working with both of you this evening. Uh, to our listeners, thank you. We appreciate you. And we look forward to hearing your feedback, whether it be uh, in a DM or in a tweet response. Everyone have a great rest of your night. Take care.